When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 273 of the podcast. It is Streaming America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. If it sounds a little different, uh, be patient. It is a different kind of show. I am doing the entire show via Zoom, not during my regular setup, and here's why. Here's the scoop. Different show today for this reason. I have been doing this show essentially solo since March with no sports. And by the way, I appreciate all of you guys listening, downloading, subscribing, all that stuff. But at this point, especially the last couple weeks as it pertains to college football, college basketball, I have said just about everything there is to say. There really is nothing new uh, since the last time I recorded. And so I figured rather than doing the typical AT ranting and raving and yelling and screaming, college football, college basketball, I'm yelling, I would bring on an old friend. For those of you who've been listening to this show for a while, uh, Nick Coffey is a guy who hosts radio in Louisville, 790 KRD, 7 to 10 Eastern time. And Nick when I started this show, was essentially my co-host. He came on every single episode. We broke down the biggest stories of the day. And then as his career has taken off as a radio host, he's just had less and less time. So Nick has not been with me for a while, but I figured rather than yelling and screaming about college football, uh, I would bring on Nick Coffey. So I'm recording this little intro on Zoom. That's why it sounds a little bit different. And then Nick Coffey will join me for what I think is a really fun conversation. I think it'll be fun for you guys too, just to get a different perspective as mine. I think Nick and I agree on most of the big topics, but uh, you know, we talk about the state of college football. Are we going to have a season? What is it going to look like? Why are he and I the only two optimistic ones? Why is it that the SEC, Big 12, and ACC seem to be riding solo? A lot of good college football talk, a lot of good college basketball talk. We actually hit a little bit about the media. Do we really believe that the media actually doesn't want sports this year? It was a really fun conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. And Nick killed it as always. And it was just fun to have another voice. Like I said, it is my show, but it's always nice to get a second opinion on this stuff. So Nick Coffey joins me off the top. And then on the back end, a great interview 
which I do think you guys are going to love, Josh Pastner, the head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And I understand that we are transitioning from basketball into football, but when I have a chance to get an ACC head coach on this podcast, I'm always going to. For people who don't know, Georgia Tech was actually probably a lot better than people realized. Struggled early with injuries, didn't play well in December, January, but by February they were really good. They actually finished fifth in the ACC and uh, are returning essentially their whole team this year. And so it was a really fun interview with Josh Pastner uh, because I think he's going to have a really good team. But also Monday was, of course, the first day that coaches could be in the gym with their players practicing in a normal setting. So you saw the likes of John Calipari, Chris Mack, Eric Musselman, uh, Josh Pastner discussing how happy they were to be back in the gym Really fun interview with Josh Passner to close the show. Really fun interview with Nick Coffey to open the show. But before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. The Podcast Addict app, Podcast Addict is where I download this show. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Like, how about my girl, uh, Betty Bleeds Blue? We got another new five-star rating. So last week, it was UK Granny. Shout out to UK Granny. Today, it's Betty Bleeds Blue. She said, love listening to your podcast, Aaron. Thank you, Betty. She referenced last episode where I talked about the G League. She said, great insight on the G League on today's show. Sure hope we get live sports to talk about soon. Thank you, Betty. And guess what? As I'm recording this, I got a Major League Baseball preseason exhibition game on. Baseball starts Thursday, the NBA next week, and we are finally getting sports back. So I so very much appreciate you guys being a part of this show, being patient, sticking with this show during these uncertain times. I cannot thank you enough. But Nick Coffey coming up. Uh, I should reference, by the way, if you're not following on social media, make sure to do, sh- do so. Uh, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Aaron Torres writer on Facebook if you're on Facebook. And uh, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com if you have any questions. So Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Uh, but that is all for right now because I want to get to the meat of the show. Really fun conversation with Nick Coffey followed by Josh Pastner. You do not need to be a Georgia Tech fan to follow it, so please, or to enjoy it, excuse me. So make sure to stick through through the end of the show. But I so much appreciate your support. I, I'll say it now because I'm not going to say it later. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Incredible show. And now my main man, 790KRD in Louisville, Nick Carr. All right, joining me now, uh, first time via Zoom. We've done literally a million of these calls uh, by phone. If, if people are new to the show, Nick Coffey, 790KRD in Louisville. He's on 7 to 10 Eastern time, crushing it over there. Uh, Nick used to be on every single show with me. And then as he blew up and became the Howard Stern of Louisville, uh, he can't do a lot of these late nights anymore. So we haven't done as many lately. I think the last time we talked, we did a deep dive on uh, Tiger King and Joe Exotic. But Nick Coffey, what's up, man? Dude, it's been too long. It's so good to talk to you. Man, it is. uh, I got some nostalgia flowing right now because, one, it, it has been too long. 
I've missed this. I have, uh, not only am I going through the pandemic like everybody else, but the family added a new addition. I've got a yes. son now. That's Congratulations. Been, and, and thank you, by the way. And doing that while going through a pandemic with uh, the wife going through maternity leave at home. And it's just, it's been wild, but I see you still been doing your thing, not only with this show, but of course uh, you've been crushing it on Fox sports radio, but I was thinking about it as I uh, got the family to bed, the wife, sure. both kids are asleep. I cracked open a cold beer. I'm ready to get my Aaron Torres sports podcast experience. It hit me dude coming up in like 10 days. I think it is will be around the time three years ago, 10 days from now, around that, around that time frame will be whenever we had the phone call to put, when you were putting this whole thing in motion. And here we are nearly three years later and look at you, you're doing your thing. I've been a part of it for a good chunk of it and I'm happy to be back. I, the good thing about this is that I know regardless of what time passes, I've always got an open invitation to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast and I'm happy to be back. You always have an open invitation and you're 100% right. Uh, it was about three years ago that uh, I was kind of, I don't even want to say conceptualizing it. I'll just, I'll just call a spade a spade right on air here. Uh, you know, Matt Jones wanted to bring me on with Kentucky Sports Radio and he really wanted me to have a right-hand man to do this show. And we did probably literally 75, 80 episodes where you were there every single day and like I said, as the show has evolved, you've gotten busier. I think in some ways I've gotten busier too. By the way, how do you feel following you on this show is your guy, Josh Pastner. I remember there was one time where you had just come from ACC Basketball Media Day. That's right. Uh, you had sat down with, with, with Josh. Who, By the way, dude, I'll just say this. The interview is really fun. People should check it out. He had a lot of interesting things to say. And his team's actually going to be really good this year when we play basketball because we only do positive vibes on this show. But – uh, he was really fun, but I know you're a big Josh Passner guy, so uh, he was incredible when he joins me later. But I'll give you the floor because I know you interviewed him at ACC Media Day last year. Yeah, so Josh Passner, before I got a chance to spend a good – this is – trust me, this is not any kind of a humble brag, but maybe it can be used as a flex if I ever need to use it. But we got to hang out with Josh Passner like 30 minutes. Cool. And it wasn't like some of it was in a, in a structured interview set, session where we're, where we're recording it. And a lot of it was just kind of shooting the, you know what, I, and it ended, ended up being a situation where turns out uh, my colleague at 790 KRD, Jody Demling, happens to know Josh from back at his time at Arizona. So wow. they have a connection. So that just kind of led to me, and again, humble brag, where I was kind of just in with Josh Pastner. And I knew nothing about him. And I hope he wouldn't mind me saying this because I think he, knowing what I got to know about him in that setting was he's very transparent. He's self-aware. Um, there are some people that say, wow, how'd this guy luck into this job? How do you, you know, how do you get the Memphis job? He got gifted to it by Calipari. Why Georgia Tech hire him? Why is he still there? I mean, those kind of things have probably come up, not from within his program, but like that's, that's been some noise about him. And I never really thought into that because, to be honest with you, I've, he, here, here's what I think. When I think about him as a coach, he actually owned Rick Pitino the one year they were in the same conference. When okay. Louisville was in the, the American, they won the league in the tournament, and they won the regular season. UConn won the national Memphis. championship, but continue. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, that's right. But they played Memphis twice that year. And Memphis wasn't as good. That wasn't one of Passner's better teams there. Yet they beat them both in Louisville and at Memphis. So I remember thinking, like, damn, I got to respect the young coach. People act like he can't hang. And he comes in and 
at that time beating Rick Pitino, he's coming off a national championship. So anyways, I didn't really have a whole lot. I didn't really know what to make of it. I had really no expectations. And I sat down with him and we talked for about 30 minutes. We, inter we did an interview and then we just kind of sat there and he had some time between his interview with us and the next radio station. So we sat there, kind of just talked a little bit. He had both Louisville, of course, on the schedule with the ACC, but he also brought his team to Lexington that this past year. And he was kind of talking about that. And he got up afterwards, and I, I looked over to Jody, my colleague, and I was like, that guy is likable as can be. And I'll give you, for example, Jim Laranega was, was after him. And I think before him was Brad Brownwell. So his competition wasn't great, but, he, but here, here's what I – and then after he came into Louisville this past year and nearly beat Louisville, and then he actually beat them when they came down there months, uh, weeks later – um, I, I was at two of his post-game press conferences, and I'll be honest with you, other than when he's played Louisville, I've never watched one of his post-game pressers. And I remember just thinking, like, I can understand why that guy walks into a room and he can get recruits. I can understand why that guy walks into a room and he can get a job because he's very likable. He can sell himself. He's personable. Uh, so, like, I remember looking at Jody thinking, like, why do I – is there is – do I have a man crush here? Like, this is kind of weird. Like, he seemed like a really likable dude. And sure enough, uh, this past year, that was a Georgia Tech team that uh, I, maybe this is his fault, but they had weight like they should have been better than they were. They had good players and they were trending in the right direction uh, towards the end of the season. Of course, they had some postseason stuff that was out of their control. But yeah, I am a fan of Josh Pastner. And I also have, have I can tell you firsthand, like he's kind of jacked. I don't know. Like it's, <laughs> I'm sitting here saying like I have a man crush, like he's kind of yoked a little bit. Real quick, two things. One, he is an incredibly personable guy, um, and I think people you feel are like you feel like you know him after you talk to him. Does that, does that make like you feel like he would remember you too? Here's this is what I'll just say really quick, and I don't even know if he would want me to say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. He's the only guy that I've ever done an interview with for this podcast or otherwise, where after the interview he texted me and he said we were doing it via Zoom. And so people will be able to watch this on YouTube. Some people may be watching it on YouTube. And he said, was every, he texted me, he said, was everything okay? We can redo it if it didn't sound good enough. I mean, if that, I'm not you, surprised. Yeah, if you, you can say whatever you want about anyone that you want. Uh, he asked me, do you need to redo it because of the audio? The audio was great, whatever. Um, but the one thing I will say, it's going to transition nicely in our next conversation. Very positive person. He said, I'm not a glasses half full guy. I'm a glasses overflowing guy, which brings me perfectly to why I wanted to have you on here, Nick, because, you know, the last whatever, three, four, five months, we've all been struggling to create every day. You have to do three hours. I only got to do about two, three hours a day, 15 hours a week. I only got to do about two to four hours on this podcast every week. And even I find myself struggling. And so why I wanted to have you on was because I have given every opinion I can give on college football, college basketball, the season ahead, all that stuff. And, and, it, and listen, I will say it changes by the day. Sometimes I'm more optimistic than others. But this audience, who I so appreciate sticking with me through this quarantine, They've heard everything that I have to say about this. And I'll, you know, I've had on different basketball guys. I'll have on some football guys in the coming weeks. But I just wanted a, another opinion from another perspective. You being on another coast, you being an ACC country, maybe you're hearing different things than I am. I want to start with football. And this is what I'll tell you. It's what I told this audience on Monday when I did my last episode. 
which is that I, I truly believe, first of all, the, the thing that I emphasize, nobody knows anything. Greg Sankey doesn't know anything. John Swafford, the AD at, uh, or the, excuse me, the commissioner of the ACC doesn't know anything. Kevin Warren, the a, uh, commissioner of the Big Ten, he knows they're going league only, but he doesn't know is it going to be 10 games or going to be end up doing seven or eight, whatever. So one, nobody knows anything. But two, I do believe that the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12 are doing everything they can to try and get a semi-normal schedule on the field come this fall. Does that mean that games won't be postponed, canceled, delayed, whatever? I don't know. Nobody knows. But I believe that they're doing their best, and I will say it's frustrating to see other people in the media kind of poo-poo me. I, I don't even think I'm trying to be positive. I truly believe it. But I believe that those three conferences are trying to get something resembling a pseudo-normal season onto the field. You live in ACC country. You obviously specifically cover an ACC school, but you're embedded with both ACC, SEC, that whole region of the country. What are you hearing? What do you believe? What do you hope? Like, where are you at as we record here, end of night, uh, going into July 23rd about this upcoming college football season? I'll, I'll start with what you said. One of the things you said there that is spot on is that nobody knows. And I, I find it refreshing when we have people that will acknowledge that and uh, not to, to be such a homer here in my home camp, but uh, both Vince Tyree, the University of Louisville Athletics Director, and Scott Satterfield have both had media availabilities in the last week, and they provided commentary, opinion, but they've also made it very clear they don't even know. They're not – they don't have decision-making power. Um, so – it's really anybody's guess, and that's kind of, to be honest, that's really when it, that's, that's what it comes to with this virus as well. I don't think many people really know uh, w where we are with this entire thing. I think the truth probably lies in the middle, but there's plenty of people that will tell you this is some silly thing that we're, that's all for nothing, and there's some people that act as if we're all going to be wiped out by it. And, again, I think the truth probably lies in the middle. And as of today, July, as of now, it is, it's July 22nd. Uh, late Wednesday evening here on my side of the country, a little earlier for you on the other side. I, somebody within the University of Louisville said that they think unless something drastic was to happen, they're going to play. Now, could be delayed. Maybe they'll end up finding out that somebody, like one of their out-of-conference games is impacted because of who they play. But here's my personal opinion, which is what you asked for. I, I don't believe we're going to get it. I think by the time they get to the point where they make a decision, they told us last week that it's likely going to be the end of July, which I guess would be late next week. And then you had Greg Sankey recently saying, well, don't be surprised if we don't have anything out there by then. I think something drastic would have to change for them to cancel it and say, we're not going to do it. And I don't think something drastic is going to happen because I'm looking at facts. I'm not sharing opinions. I'm looking at facts. And for something drastic to happen, to me, that would mean – we would have to have a college football player or just college-aged people become not only getting the virus but really in danger and they're on a ventilator and they're fighting for their life. And facts will tell you that's extremely rare. That's just – that's a long shot. Therefore, I don't think we're going to see that from now until when they have to make a decision. And I really applaud these leagues for – and I'm not necessarily crushing the Big Ten – and the Pac-12 for doing what they did, but I applaud the other three leagues, the ACC, SEC, and the Big 12 for stepping back, looking big picture, and saying, we don't have to just automatically do this because they did. 
And I think that's refreshing because in the end, the way sports kind of came to a halt in March, hard to say anybody was wrong because it did get scary and it became a bigger deal. And we learned just how, how careful we have to be. But I also, if, if Rudy Gobert does not get coronavirus on that Wednesday night, we're going to, we had, we would have had conference tournaments. Now it may have been really dangerous. More people would have spread it, but I can just, I can, I can respect those leagues for, because you remember the noise the Thursday that it was announced about the big 10 was that for sure, every league's going to follow. They're going to do the same thing within hours they're going to announce the same thing and I think they step back and say let's wait let's we've got a little bit of time probably a stretch to say time is still on their side um but yeah nothing would shock me and I, I think we say that a lot but when it comes to this pandemic and how it's involved in sports I think that's the real time we've actually meant it that nothing yes. would shock you as far as what would happen like I'm guilty of saying that all the time well nothing would surprise me and I kind of realize I half-assed meant it now I really mean it because nothing would shock me never be surprised expect the unexpected that's no longer the tagline for March Madness that's how COVID's impacting sports but as of now late July with a week left in this month uh, I, I think they're going to play. I really do. It's not going to look the same. I think the fan attendance is going to be different depending on where you live. But what's got me clinging to a little bit of positivity is that I just think by now, if they were going to pull the plug, they would have done it. And for those that are going to be seeing the stories that are out there probably Thursday, Friday, about this meeting with the NCAA Board of Governors, that they can cancel fall sports, that's going to get a ton of reaction if it happens. But I hope people read the articles that tell you the FBS can still do their own thing and have their own season. Like this has been the biggest reminder, Aaron, that the NCAA really didn't have a whole lot to do with college football at the high level. Yeah, you covered a lot of ground there. One, you know, that's been my big thing. And it's really funny that, you know, Paul Feinbaum, people are coming out, out against Mark Emmert. That was my thing the day the Big Ten uh, went to league-only games is that um, – you know, I just think the leadership at the highest level has been so disappointing. And I've said it on Instagram. I've said it on here. I'm not Mr. You know, fire, fire everybody guy on social media. But to see history repeating itself from the sense that the Ivy League cancels its basketball tournament, then everybody else kind of falls in line. And then to see the same thing repeat itself six months later, um, you know, it's it's disappointing to say the least, uh, and it's embarrassing at the worst. But I do agree. The one thing that you hit on, which I think is so important, I give so much credit to these conference commissioners in the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC for, for pumping the brakes. And the one thing I will say, I do think the Big Ten's a little bit different than the Pac-12. I think it's easy to lump them together because one came immediately after the other. The Pac-12 has entirely different issues, and I don't even know if I've said it on this show. I think the Pac-12 is looking at best a six, seven, eight-game season because, as an example, right now I live in California. They shut back down gyms about 10 days ago, eight days ago, whatever, USC can't even get into its football facility to lift weights right now, let alone get on a practice field and practice and all that stuff. And so the, the Pac-12 is dealing with a different animal altogether. Um, but I, I, I do give so much credit to Greg Sankey and the people in the Big 12 and the ACC because of the fact that, like, we didn't have to make a decision in – in the middle of July. The analogy that I use, Nick, it was kind of a horrible analogy. I came up right off the top of my head. It was right after July 4th that this announcement was made. And I said, imagine you're uh, at your July 4th uh, cookout and you see your neighbor. It's July 4th. Keep in mind, it's July 4th. You see your neighbor 
putting hurricane windows on all of his windows on July 4th, right? And you say to yourself, like, well, hurricane season could be coming in like two months from now, and it could be really bad. But I don't know that we need hurricane windows on July 4th. Like, I'm going to wait till September. That's not, that's not a bad analogy. Why is that a bad analogy? I did it right off the top of my head, too. And it was like July 8th when I did it, so it was appropriate. But I, I think there really is something to that. And I give the SEC and ACC so much credit. Let me ask you this. I think it would have been so easy to default for those conferences, league only, blah, 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 this and that. And maybe they end up there. I also, one thing that I have hammered home, I think there is a tactical advantage specifically for the SEC and even more so the ACC to keep their schedule as is. And I don't know that they will, and maybe they'll buy out an FCS team or whatever. But if you have the Big Ten going 10 league-only games and you're the ACC or SEC and you have eight conference games, especially in the ACC, Clemson will be challenged once, maybe twice, if you, maybe three times if you include Notre Dame, which is on their schedule this year. I actually think there is a tactical advantage for the ACC and the SEC to keep the schedule as is. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but I think that's one of the many reasons. Uh, any specific reason why you think the SEC and ACC are kind of kind of standing pat with the Big 12 uh, outside of the fact that it's that we don't need. By the way, important part: we don't need to make a decision on July 4th, July 8th, July 12th. We can wait until August 1st, August 5th, August 10th, maybe, to make these decisions. Why do you think everybody in college football in those three conferences, ACC, Big 12, SEC, are kind of pumping the brakes a little bit? Well, I just – I think that the Big Ten tried to be big brother. And yep. you, you may know this better than I, because I was in Greensboro when it happened, but I think the Big Ten was the first – it might have been the SEC, but it was all at the same time. Yeah. Other than the ACC, because I remember saw, I remember seeing Jay Billis go live and take a hit on on ESPN because the ACC tournament was expected to happen, uh, and and sure enough, he's asking, "I'm going live on TV. Do we? What are we doing?" And they looked at him and said, "Well, um, Swafford hasn't said that it's off yet, so he's the ACC tournament will happen." Only to find out that on the bottom of the screen it says it's not happening. So, anyways, I think the Big Ten jumped the gun, and the Pac-12. I'm glad you laid out those specifics because people don't realize if the state won't let your citizens go to the gym, Cal, UCLA, they can't let their student athletes go to the gym, and that's one of the very important things that I think gets lost in all this stuff. But anyways, to back, back to your question, I think that the Big Ten was talking among the Power Five leagues and just decided to not let like, – from what I understand, everybody within the ACC and SEC was totally blindsided by that decision. Yep. And I think they probably assumed – the Big Ten probably assumed, well, they'll just follow suit. This is what we're going to do. And they realized, no, we, we, don't, we don't need to do that. And, look, I know the Big Ten – they got a lot of money. They got the big brains. Those schools, hard to get into. I couldn't get into them. I know that. You could get but into they, Ohio State, just for the record, but continue. Okay, okay. But, like, I think they kind of – I almost said a word I don't want to say that I shouldn't say. But, like, I feel like they kind of wanted to look like the woke league. And sure. not saying they made a wrong decision, but they didn't need to make it then. And here's what I know. App State, they're supposed to go up and play Wisconsin. And that's a $1.5 million payday for App State. Take that thing to court. App State may want to just not fight and say, put us on the schedule when we, when we can play because we need that check. 
But imagine going to court and saying, act of God. Okay, act of God only allows you to play conference games. God says you're safe in conference, but not out of conference. Like, that was a stupid thing to do to jump the gun. And I kind of think, and this is wishful thinking on my part, Aaron can see it, you guys can't, fingers crossed. Like, I think we're going to see that these universities didn't just decide to bring players back and throw up a couple of test labs. They have structured plans in place to keep people safe. There's protocols. They didn't bring people back thinking nobody was going to test positive. I think we're going to get some football. And I think the Big Ten, they may be snobby about it and say, well, we, 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 you know, we cared more about safety than anybody else. But I think they may look around and say, yeah, we probably jumped the gun a little too quickly. Yeah, so two things I want to get to. One is to the Big Ten. But one, which is something I really – I think is really getting glossed over by the national media at this exact moment. Uh, and it's something I try to bring to the table. Testing is working on these campuses. Like, uh, you know, um, uh, Oklahoma had 14 positive tests when they reported back to campus on July 1st. I'll never forget where I was. I saw the headline. I said, that's no good. I was away with my wife. We were on vacation, whatever. Well, guess what? They've done, I forget the exact number, I believe it's 229 tests in the last 10 days. One has come back positive. It was 130 last week, and I think it was like 99 this week. One has come back positive. Penn State, 170 plus players tested, zero, or 170 athletes, excuse me, zero negatives. Notre Dame, 100 plus. Zero negative, zero positive. I, I'm all over the place, but uh, zero positives. Kentucky football, well documented. The whole team tested negative. So, like, I do think, and, and I get it, right? We're, we don't know what's going to happen when kids come back to campus, and it's impossible to keep college-aged males away from college-aged females on the weekend. But, like, that is one of the parts that I feel like is being under-discussed right now at this exact moment. We can't talk about what's going to happen a week from now. Can't talk about what's going to happen a month from now. We can talk a little bit about what happened two weeks ago, but it's in the context of right now. And right now, the testing is working. I feel like that's something no one is talking about. No, and it's not just that you're getting good results as far as the positive te the, the, the lack of positive tests. I just – the thought that they were going to bring – these players back and expect nobody to be positive is yep. nonsense. Therefore, when people would see uh, – and look, the, the Ohio State, that was – you're right. That was the one that – why did that one scare us more than others? Because they were actually after LSU and Clemson. I don't know. And, and they didn't even give us numbers, but I guess because it's Ohio – Because I'm it's Ohio you, State, they have more yeah. money than God, and if anyone was going to nip it in the bud, it was going to be Ohio State. And they still – they couldn't – they couldn't stop it at that moment, but they that was another thing. It got underreported. They resumed workouts like two days later, but continue. Go ahead. Never the case. They had protocols in place. I, they, I mean, there was never a scenario where they said we have to eliminate all positive cases if we're ever going to have yep. sports again. If we are literally going to keep focusing solely on positive cases we will never get back to life that's a that's just a fact I think hospitalizations are important I think who's at risk is important uh and I just uh, I this is not political but anytime you talk of the virus and you share left side right side it becomes a political kind of thing sure. 
But I've just been so annoyed in the last like 72 hours about certain aspects of this that, and look, I'm not saying ignore positive cases at all, but my goodness, the, 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 the numbers that are being left out that are so important to really put in perspective what we're dealing with, it's, well, it, it's, it, it's just such a, it's so like, it, like I'll tell you in this, in the state of Kentucky and Kentucky is a small state compared to the rest. Uh, we don't really matter. Um, a lot of people listening probably don't know anything about Kentucky, but Kentucky has had one death from somebody under the age of thir- of 29. And it was actually somebody that was under the age of nine. It was a very sick young person, college age kids that are getting it. And by the way, the, the spike in cases here in this area is from younger college people, which we're just finding out they actually can get it. But a lot of them aren't that sick. They're going to be okay. They're not in- ending up in the hospital. And when we're talking about not having college football, and I know older people, like we got to keep them away. If, if we, if, but think about this: we're letting college-age kids. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I need to make a U-turn here because I'm gonna go off on a tangent and turn this into a political show, and I don't want to do that to my man Aaron Torres. But like college-age people are roaming society every day, going to work, serving you food, working and in, in walking by you, and they're not getting tested like athletes are. And we're talking about shutting down a, a season. Because it just, to me, the, if you really looked at it big picture, I'm not at all the guy that'll tell you the coronavirus isn't a big deal. It is a big deal. We have to be careful. We have to be safe. But I just, I look at numbers and facts and think, why isn't this being talked about more? Because uh, it's, it's turned into a political thing. It just has. I agree. No, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, that's the thing that I get whenever I try to share positive news Oh, so you're cool if somebody dies on the field from this. I'm like, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna catch it before they die on the field. That's one. And two, again, not trying to make this political. We're having a real conversation right now. We have done thousands of tests across these major colleges right now. The positivity rate continues to go down. And as best we know, and we would never know for sure. But we haven't even had a single positive, or we haven't even had a single hospitalization yet, let alone uh, something that escalates to a death. Not saying it can't happen. Like you said, using the facts, the likelihood is pretty small. Do but anything like, could happen. Yes. And I hate to step on you, but that's, but that's like, that's to say, well, yeah, it could though. Well, yeah, I mean, anything could happen. Like that's, that, if, if, if that's your crutch, then I, I think you're kind of proving my point. Not to say your point, because I don't want to, and I hate to step on your toes there, but I, I've not been able to have a back and forth about this entire thing really with anybody, to be sure. honest with you, because I do a solo show and most of the college football guests that I've brought on, they don't really want to go where we're going today. So I apologize. I'm a little worked up here at my return on the, on the AT Sports Podcast. Well, first of all, you can have me on whenever you want. Um, let, me, let me kind of piggyback on this concept, right? So... Does the idea that college football players are unpaid, does that bother you at all? And it doesn't bother me, and I'll tell you why. There's two reasons why I talked about it in the last episode. Most people that listen to this one have heard me say this. One, the SEC came out last week and said, um, you know, look, no one is going to lose their scholarship over this. If you do not feel comfortable, you should not step on the field. And by the way, people don't realize this, but the Big Ten, most of their schools, if not the entire league, made a very similar statement weeks ago that got brushed under the rug because we didn't think we'd ever get here. So that's one, is I get they're unpaid. 
I wish they got more. As you and I have talked about, and I've talked about on this show a million times, the reality is most of them have it pretty freaking good. The other thing is this, Nick, and I, I don't know how many players or family members of the Louisville team or other schools that you're in touch with. My thing is most of these guys want to play. and everybody Every one of them wants to play. Yes, everyone thinks, oh, college sports is this evil money-making machine. And if just imagine being a senior at Louisville or a senior at Kentucky or a senior at Tennessee or a senior at Alabama that isn't a, a lock first-round draft pick. Most of these guys, or junior or sophomore, whatever, they've been working their whole lives to put themselves in position to be on this stage, to play every weekend. And the thing that I keep going back to, if we don't have a college football season, and for the record, I think we do. Um, if we don't have a college football season, lives are going to be altered forever. Joe Burrow, if we do not play a college football season last year, Joe Burrow is selling, uh, he's working at uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, uh, you know, setting you up with the, the sweet deal for the weekend getaway. He's selling insurance door to door. His life was changed. I mean, there are so, Kyler Murray is in a minor league baseball camp somewhere getting ready for opening day. If there's no college football season, now he's a millionaire with the Arizona Cardinals. And so I, I, I get the concept that this is different than being a professional, but the idea that you can opt out and keep your scholarship and the reality that, and you can't say this on social media because people get upset. Most of these kids want to play. They want to play. The parents want them to play. To me, I have, I have no problem. I understand the optics aren't great, but I also have no problem for those reasons. Where do you stand? I, you, you hit something that I've in the last 48 hours really been vocal about on my show. And it's just, it dawned on me that we pick and choose when these are kids and when yep. these are grownups that need to be treated and respected. And that's never been more evident than right now because the, there's a side now that says, well, look, I mean, I know they want to play, but they don't know any better. They don't know how, how, <laughs> how, how dangerous they are. How they, I mean, they, they don't know that we can't let them make this decision. These are kids. They don't understand the long-term effects, which is true. That's one of the biggest fears about the virus is that we don't know long-term effects. But we pick and choose. So in, in, this, in this case, they're kids. But whenever we're talking name, image, and likeness, how can they not earn a living? They're 18. They should be able to profit on their name. They're grown-ups. They're grown men. Like, and, and what's funny is that side is the same people. Yeah, the people that that you know does that make sense? Like 100%. that side is the same people that are contradicting themselves. They're picking and choosing when they're grownups and when they're not, and that's never been more evident than right now. And if you want to tell me that they're kids and they can't, they, that they don't know any better, then that's fine. But and I said this today, and I don't have the platform like you, my man, on Fox Sports Radio, reaching hundreds of affiliates each weekend. I have not heard from a single parent that has been vocal about not wanting their kid to play. I'm sure you could find one if you really wanted to, but the kids want to play. The parents understand that their kids are in these universities with resources that they would not have if they're at home living in the basement at mom and dad's house. And that's just, I mean, you could, hypocrisy is, is everywhere right now. And I, I, it, it, it hit me the other day that when I heard somebody that I respect who I won't call out say, well, they, these kids want to play because they just don't know any better. Okay, well, 
Are they kids or are they not? Legally, well, they're not. But we pick and choose when we when we pick and choose when we, when we, to, to 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 fit whatever narrative you're pushing. You decide, okay, they're two, they're kids, they don't know any better, or they're grownups. Quit letting the 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 you know the corporate world of university athletics take advantage of them. No, and it it is really funny, right? Because as you just said. Uh, nobody says, oh, they're kids, they don't know any better, when no one, I've, I, I don't think I've ever heard a college athlete genuinely complain, I deserve more, some, you know, a little bit recently, but it's always the adults of like, well, why would Zion ever play another game for Duke? I mean, come on now, and Zion's like, dude, I just want to hoop, man, I just want to play ball. Um, you know, Cole Anthony this year, it was the same deal. And it's like, it is funny how that works. Uh, real quick, I do want to just jump to basketball really quick. It, it, it doesn't have to be a long thing. Anything else on football that we haven't hit? I, I, like I've said, I've shared every angle and opinion over the last two, two and a half, three weeks, whatever it's been. Uh, anything else on football that we haven't hit going forward? No, and I don't even know if I need to put this out there, but I, I think also the – the, the same camp, the hypocrisy, those that pick and choose when they're kids and when they're not, we want to prop them up as we should, that they're adults that have a voice, that are knowledgeable, and they deserve, they should be able to be outspoken when it comes to issues with what's going on in this country, with social injustice. At that point, they're, they are adults. But you're telling me that a, a, a young man, a young woman who has the knowledge and education and the and the, the maturity to speak up and be vocal about that. We act as if that's the best thing we've ever seen, which it is awesome. But yet we're going to say, yeah, but you're just a dumb kid. You can't decide if you want to play. You don't know anything. It's just hypocrisy. And I just wanted to add one more little caveat to that. Real quick, because I don't know that I've really touched on this. You know, my general opinion is I try not to criticize other media members because I think we're all just out there doing our best. And I, I don't criticize people's opinions because I, my whole life is opinions and a lot of them are wrong. Uh, where do you stand on the media that doesn't want sports to come back? Because I, I don't know that I really believed it, but it is surreal to see some of the quote unquote bigger names that only share the negative stories, that don't share the, you know, and, and there are guys, I'll give them credit, uh, uh, Brett McMurphy, he just reports the facts. 122 tests, one positive. But then, you know, uh, you know, three weeks ago, 122 tests, 18 positive. But then there's guys that put in their own little twist to it. I don't know that they're rooting against sports, but I can see where the consumer that isn't in the media like you and I could perceive it that way you don't have to name names i'm not asking you to put anybody on the spot but it was one of those where i was like oh this is just one of these social media things i don't believe it but watching and observing some of these guys and girls over the last two three four months it really has made me think i don't know that they like sports or i don't and, and i can't figure out i what i can't figure out is do they not like sports do they personally not feel safe going to a stadium? Do they like being home and not want to go to work? Uh, I, I don't have the answer. Or are they just worried and they're overanalyzing everything? Um, but there's a few that I just sit there and say, dude, turn off the TV, put away the newspaper. and Go just, get laid. Yeah, go get – yeah, you said it, not me. Just <laughs> I was telling uh, somebody this today is like just – 
take out a pen and paper and divide two positive tests by or by 107 people tested that's a good thing put away the tv put away the newspaper put away by the way put away twitter which is a, a cesspool right now i don't know man i don't know where you stand on this but like to me I, I didn't think that I believed it. And now I'm just kind of at the point where I don't really know what to think. I would say that one, yes, there are plenty of uh, capital J journos that are deep into the sporting world that have a platform that have talent, but I don't think they really like sports. I sure don't. I, I believe that. I know some of them that I've crossed paths with that I've worked with that ended up in a position and, they had a they had a connection they had an affiliation but they're not they're not like they're not into yep. sports like most people that they're talking to which is kind of a weird thing but that I can confirm that's happened at least to some extent also I think it's a complex because what I've noticed is these particular people that only want to put out negative and want to mock anybody that expresses not just a positive opinion but expresses and share it's not a, i'm sorry it's not an expression but shares facts that point us in this somewhat positive direction they want to crap on that too and then they'll have someone probably an egg on twitter or uh just in, you know a, a reader of theirs maybe a fan of theirs that says what are, what are you doing i mean you, you almost it almost kind of seems like you don't want sports to happen that seems bizarre and then they throw it in your face do you realize what's at stake for me if i if we don't have sports it's a complex it's an ego thing they want you they they want to appear to be much more aware and concerned and smarter than you and realizing that sports isn't life but then they also want you to know that they're so brave though because look they're 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 pointing out facts and and, and being real but yet look at what they have on the line they'll remind you you're you don't work in sports your paycheck's not depending on sports happening i think it's a total ego complex thing it's not everybody there's a select few and i imagine there are pl probably plenty of people listening to this that know exactly who we're referring to and sure. I, that's 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 what i chalk it up to no, I agree. And I, I will say the one thing that I've learned doing this as long as I have is there really are a lot of people that don't like sports that cover sports. And it sounds crazy, but I've said this on, my, on this show many times. And I think one of the reasons that people enjoy this show is because I think my passion for sports and when I have you on your passion, it comes out. And what I've said is I want college football back, not because uh, I, I need it for my career, my listen, my career has taken so many evolutions. I'm going to survive whether we have a college football season or not. I just want to watch games. They can't kill you. They can't. You, 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 <laughs> how many times they've tried to squash me? How many times the man has tried to squash Torres? And every time I come out stronger. But That's right. So, and it's just, you know, and so, but I am the dude. Before I was doing the Fox Sports radio show on Saturday and then this podcast on Sunday where I recapped everything that happened on Saturday – I was the dude that watched college football for 12 hours a day. I would get, you know, I live on the West Coast now. I would get up at 7.30 and, you know, make some breakfast. And, you know, that first Big Ten game, Northwestern versus Purdue, let's go, baby. Like, let's let, – and then straight through that last Pac-12 game. And so I'm with you, and I will say it is the number of people that don't love sports in this industry – uh, is amazing. It, it would probably surprise people. Maybe not so much now as much as six months ago. Real quick on the college hoops. Um, it was funny. Probably it was right around the time of the Big Ten stuff. People started asking me, well, what's going to happen with college hoops? And what I said was, 
I believe that you almost have to treat college basketball as a separate entity from college football, right? There, there's pluses and minuses for each. With football, obviously the pluses are that, uh, you know, it's outdoors, that there's fewer games, that there's less travel. But the benefit of college basketball is – is that, um, you know, the, that the season just starts later. But something that I've been hammering home, and Kevin Willard said it this week, and everybody's talking about him like he's the freaking, you know, Oracle of Omaha over here because he came up with this. I've been saying it for a month of, you know, college basketball, the benefit that they have is that this academic calendar is going to work really nicely for them from the perspective that, um, most seasons start around November, and for people who haven't really followed this, in November, um, you know, most schools are sending their kids home right around Thanksgiving break, and they're not bringing them back until early February, the way the way that you normally would at the end of a of a winter break. And so, I am actually weirdly as confident that college basketball is going to be okay. I don't think we're going to get the Maui Invitational. We're not going to get the battle for Atlantis, those kind of things. I think we're going to get a lot of college basketball. And I do think a lot of it is going to be in that window of early to mid November to January. And then we recoup and figure things out when kids get back to campus in February. Yeah. I think college basketball has this going for it. The NCAA cannot survive as a company, as an entity, if in fact they go another year without an NCAA tournament. That's a fact. They've essentially said as much. That's why Gavitt, I think it was last week, the president of basketball within the organization said that if they have to go to the Netherlands and play, they will. And I don't think he was hinting that that's where they'd actually go, but they they have to have it or they literally will not survive as as an organization. Um, So they have that going for them. However, I know this more than anybody, not to sound like an expert by any means. I just, I've seen it firsthand because I live in a market and you know this market well, Aaron. We love college basketball like nobody else, but we are rare. So the, what college basketball I think has going against it is because it's not a big revenue driver for most. In fact, there's a ton of power six college basketball programs that do not turn a profit in college, on college basketball. They just don't. And with that, they won't see a ton of real uh, need to, to force having it. With football, there's such a dire need for it for not only the schools to make money in their athletic departments, but for the economy in these states and in these areas. With basketball, it's not the moneymaker for the schools and the economy. Therefore, there may not be as much of a push to make sure we have it. However, the NCAA, they have to have it. They have to have it. Now, they have to have the tournament, but they're not going to have a tournament without a season. So uh, I, I do think that hearing some comments last week, that, and I don't even know where, why this or what – I don't know what the reason was behind it, but the NCAA uh, – I think his name is – is it Dan Gavitt? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. I know it's a Gavitt. Yeah. He yeah. said that he thinks college basketball is one of the unique sports that could, could do whatever's needed to make a season happen and get flexible. And I don't really know why, why he thinks that, but I hope he's right because the thought of not having college basketball would be devastating. So, uh, and again, it's just from what I'm hearing from coaches around this area, they, they're, they're full, they'll full, they're, they are full go as if they're going to be in a good shape to have a season. It'll look different. I think you're right. Those, those out of the country uh, or Maui, as you mentioned, those things probably unlikely. Louisville was supposed to play against Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham yeah. in the arm in the Armed Forces Classic. I don't that Louisville's not in it now, so I'm assuming that's not happening. That was actually a scheduled game until all this broke out. So I think we'll get it. It'll look different. And I uh, be honest, 
here's what I hope. I hope that the, this wave of sports that's just going to hit us because we've been without it for so long. Like, I just hope we get more eyeballs on the sport this year because I, we've never gone this long without having, you know, no matter what sports you like, you've been, you've been without it recently. You've been fearful of not having it if you didn't miss it like the NFL. So, um, I, in fact, I've mentioned it on my show at least a couple times a week until recently now that we're actually having, in fact, Chris Mack's going to talk to the local media here in Louisville this week. But there was no conversation about, oh, my God, what if we don't have college basketball? Nationally, you didn't hear that. Locally, here we did. But in football, I know why, one, it's not nearly as popular nationally. Also, it doesn't drive money. But it's pretty obvious, even from the day one of the conversation, if your football season's in trouble, your basketball season's probably going to be in trouble too. And I'll tell you this, in recent weeks here locally, it's kind of hit us like, uh-oh. Like Calipari's talking about she loves his team. Chris Mack's got his grad transfers on campus. They're, they should have a good squad this year. And now we're kind of finally getting to that point thinking, um, you, better, you better give us basketball. I, I don't know what this state would do in this area, really. Because keep, keep in mind, we're close to Bloomington with IU and Xavier's just up the road with UC uh, up 71. Like, if we didn't have college basketball, I literally don't know what we – like, I, I guess we'd survive. And, yes, health is bigger than sports. But, man, that's a scary situation to even think about. I, I agree with everything. Um, and it's funny, your boy Josh Pastner actually says the same thing that you did. Uh, he believes that – like we, we just have to have a tournament. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a ton else to add to that. Is that oh, you just did say that Josh Pastor is my boy, so I'm just going to take that. You are. He's your boy. You talked about his physique and everything about uh, yeah. 20 minutes ago. So no, I listen. I, I'm in agreement, and I think you know the thing that I, I kind of have harped on is the reason we're not getting much talk about college basketball right now is because the important people in college sports, Greg Sankey, John Swafford, all those guys that we mentioned off the top, they're just trying to get football games on the field, man. They're just trying to get – Football's any... super important. It is. No, it is. And, like, and, and I will say, I think basketball is more important than, than you maybe gave it credit for because, like, the SEC network, like, does, uh, does Mississippi State make a ton of money off their basketball team? Probably not. But part of the check that they get from the SEC network is the understanding that, hey, we're going to be able to broadcast, you know, 15 basketball games from uh, November to, you know, late, late February, early March. So it's a surreal time. All right, we'll wrap on this. September 1, I don't know if that's officially week one of college football. Let's not even go week zero. Week one, do we get some form of college football week one of college football? Yes. See, I'm in the same boat. I'm in every to every person that I say, like I, I did a radio interview the other day. They're like, "What are you hot on?" Right? Like, what is for people who don't understand? Like, what sometimes a radio host will say, "Like, what do you want to talk about?" So they'll say, "What are you hot on?" I said, "Well, I'm hot on the fact that we're getting college football week one." And he's like, "Really? You think so?" And I'm like, "Why would Alabama be scheduling a game for week one if they're not planning to play week one?" By the way. Texas A&M had a game canceled against Colorado who's out of the Pac-12. They're trying to figure out a, an opponent for that game. I think we're getting college football week one. I really do. I didn't mean I, to cut you off. but No, I, I, I had a pretty direct answer. I think we're getting it as well. I, I, again, I, and I hate to sound insensitive at times to what we're going through nationally, but I just I, – I don't know what they're going to see one way or the other that's really going to change it. Therefore, I think we're going to be in a similar situation – in three weeks and at that point you're going to have to decide what you're doing I guess they could 
they could pull the plug at the last minute. But again, if they did that, it would be such a, I, I just don't think we're going to see a different scenario a different, or I'm sorry, different situation. So that's what's, you know, that's, what's got me kind of clinging to, uh, to some positivity and, to go back to what you said as we started this conversation, you talked to the athletic directors and the commissioners. They seem not direct as if it's a fact we're doing it, but they seem pretty upbeat and confident. I just wonder, like, who would tell them, no, you can't do it? Like, who's going to stop them? That's kind of my thing. Like, Alabama, they want to play football. Is it going to take their governor telling them, telling them they can't? Like, I, I kind of – I mean, I, I think well, we're getting it. I'm with you. Well, and that's not to get too far in the weeds, and, and I'm, I've already had this conversation on this podcast. I think that's the most fascinating question nobody's talking about. What if the SEC just says, screw it, we're playing. I don't care if it's literally 12, you know, whatever, 14 SEC teams and, and nobody else in America is playing and we'll crown our own champion. But what happens if the SEC decides to play a whole season and then the Pac-12 decides not to play at all or they can't play at all? Like, you talk about there not being leadership at the top with Mark Emmert. Imagine the scholarship uh, problems and the enrollment problems and the redshirt problems and all that stuff. But that is what I come back to is Ed Orgeron has been very vocal. We need football. Nick Saban is just going forward as if football is going to happen and there is no other alternative. Does he even um, know there's a pandemic? Uh, he does. He was the only one going into the office. I mean, I don't know if he read those reports. It was incredible, though. I mean, and then it was like, you know, he said, you know, that would dude. that was the crazy part was at the beginning. These stories are so old now, but, you know, they were sending their players Apple watches for whatever to test their heart rate or whatever. And and Dabo had a comment about the Apple watches. And then they were sending their players boxed meals. And it's like, dude, you know, somewhere there's a binder in Nick Saban's office that says, uh, you know, pandemic plan, uh, as if the whole world gets shut down. How are we going to handle this? And, you know, you know, on March 15th, he was, you know, going through the the binders on his, uh, you know, in, in his little oak, uh, you know, his little oak bookshelf. And he, he pulled it out and he, he blew a little, little dust off the top. And then he got to work, man, because he has if not. Anybody had a, if anybody had a pandemic playbook, it would be him. Like that's. It no. makes total sense. No, I'm telling you, I, and I'm with you. And I think that's the biggest thing that, like, I don't think people are, like, until, literally until someone says, Nick Saban, you cannot put your team on this field. And maybe it'll be Greg Sankey. I don't know. He's going forward. Ed Orgeron's going forward. Dabo's going forward. And I'll tell you this. Those guys carry a lot. Those, those two plus Orgeron, they carry a lot of weight in this sport. And, like, no disrespect to Ryan Day. Ohio State's a huge brand. Ryan Day does not have the same seat at the table that Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney does. And, like, I just, you know, and just Dabo's another one. He's just, like, there has never been a moment where he has projected anything other than I'm running down that hill and touching Howard's Rock in week one. And so I'm with you. Like, like Nick Saban's the highest-paid state employee in Alabama. I don't well, know who's got, You've got me envisioning a scenario where, like, somebody who would have that decision-making power tells them we're not playing, and Ed Orgeron, Nick Saban, Devil Sweeney looks at them and says, no, we are, and they're just like, okay, I guess we are. <laughs> like, I, you, that's not crazy. Have you – are you a Seinfeld guy or no? Absolutely. So it reminds me of the episode – 
where uh, George is dating a girl and he can't break up with her. So he decides to ask out his cousin who always had a crush on him. And then he just ends up with both of them. But the reason is, is because he just tells the girl, he tells the first girl, yeah, I don't really see how this is. This isn't really working out for me. And, and she's like, oh, no, things are great. No, I'll see. I'll see you on Thursday. And he's like, I'm breaking up with still, you. No, you're not. No, yeah, you're not. I guess still going out. <laughs> and that's what I'm yeah. saying with Nick Saban is like, it's yeah. just going to be the same thing is like, they're going to be like, yeah, Nick, you know, uh, whatever. I don't want to make jokes because rates are going up and all that, you know, nonsense. But uh, anyway, Nick Coffey, uh, 790 KRD in Louisville, 7 to 10 Eastern. Uh, make sure you're following him on the on Twitter, at the Card Connect. Uh, anything to promote, anything you're doing outside of the norm of trying to just get to September on your show? All right, so I'll start with this. Yes, please come and check out my show if you're up on the East Coast in the mornings. If you are somebody that doesn't want to listen live, that's okay. You can find the podcast anywhere. Nick Coffee, The Red Zone, it's easy to find. We are making the most of the situation, talking about, uh, of course, a lot of the similar things I'm talking about with Aaron tonight, but also just we're having some fun with it, going places we normally wouldn't go. In fact, I'm going to go throw a little tease out there. There's a wild story about a dude uh, who got arrested for uh, providing. He made homemade, not homemade himself, but he, he printed off pictures from porn websites and he made homemade magazines and where do you think those things would go for top dollar a prison he was making hundreds of thousands of dollars sneaking homemade porn magazines into prisons we talked about it today it was fascinating but that's just kind of where we are where no where sports. was that i never utah. saw that story. utah well that's where it happened in the state of utah because he got caught because it's actually illegal to to share pornography in that state and he was literally going to like a like a a fact going to some local kinkos and putting these together and he got caught and they asked like where's this what, what's what's this tied into and sure enough people got to talking and it was like some underground smuggling physical porn like man like homemade porno laminated porn somebody paid somebody a prison inmate paid six hundred dollars for a custom one where he could pick who was in it which uh, talent was in it I just found that to be completely – that's a Netflix documentary we're going to break down one day. Like, that's going to be our next – point. where does a guy in prison get $600 from? I mean, I, I – he's, well, he's got money on the outside. I mean, I get yeah. – I mean, I would imagine that's, that's a guy doing pretty well inside. You know, like, that's not anybody. But the average price was over $100 for him. And you're right. Where are they getting this money? Well, if they really want something, and that's something that, again – like, if you ask me, where would, where would a – a physical copy of a nudie magazine be valuable in 2020, I would literally say nowhere. Oh yeah. A prison. That's exactly where it would be valuable. There's no technology. They are, they're lacking companionship from the female side. Like it makes total sense. Like it makes me want to maybe get into the game and hustle, make some money. Like it's a brilliant idea. It sucks. The guy got caught. That gives me a transition though here, because that'll probably be a Netflix special that we break down on this show. But I had uh, w one of my first times going back out when we opened up businesses in Kentucky. I'm going to give a little shout out here to a local place that's not far from me. Shack in the Back Barbecue is where we went. Okay. Aaron, it's in Fairdale, Kentucky. Fairdale is in Louisville's metro area, but it's kind of backwoods Louisville. And I'm there, and my wife and I are getting dinner. This was before the mask became like a big thing, so we didn't have masks on. Uh, and we're, we're, uh, she's pregnant. We're getting ready to leave. And somebody walked over to me and said, just looked at me and shook their head and said, Jeff Lowe. And I didn't, this, 
this had been like so much time had passed since wow. you and I talked about it. Do you remember us being very pro Jeff Lowe? Because I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh-huh. this was some dude we had a phenomenal mullet and he was like, of all people, you chose to be pro Jeff Lowe. And I said, well, I think there's a difference of being like pro Jeff Lowe compared to everybody else. I don't think we were leading the parade for Jeff Lowe's a great dude. I'm pretty sure the theme of our podcast, Breaking Down Tiger King, was that everybody on that show sucked. Well, wait, so he listened to this podcast, shout out to him, and then he knew you by facial recognition. And when he saw you, the first thing he thought of is Jeff Lowe. I just want to make sure I understand. He was, he, he was mad that we, we were not hating Jeff Lowe like everybody else was. He's a big well, Kentucky fan. But yeah, it was – and, I, and it, I kind of, you know – Send me an email. Keep in mind, this, we, we, we broke down Tiger King like three, four months ago. First of all, whoever this gentleman is, shoot me an email, Aaron uh, Torres Podcast Questions. I want to send you a copy of my Kentucky book. You're a freaking hero. And all I remember about this. So you Jeff- remember we were pro Jeff Lowe then. You're confirming that we were higher on Jeff Lowe than others. I don't remember I said, it that way. I remember this verbatim. What I said was he reminds me of Stephen A. Smith where like Stephen A. Smith like 10 years ago was the guy that just yelled and screamed all the time. But now like Stephen A. Smith is kind of in on the joke and like he kind of like makes fun of himself like you know they have the baby Stephen A. Smith videos that pop up and he'll always retweet them and like and I remember I felt, this now yeah I felt like Jeff Lowe was that guy where it, they were like you know you see you'd see interviews with him and they'd be like how's the new nanny and he'd be like she's freaking hot what do you expect bro and it'd be like he just kind of was like dude I'm just I bought a tiger sanctuary and now I'm famous and I'm just going to ride this wave as long as I can. He was a douchebag. He wore it. Didn't try to hide it. He seemed like what you see is what you get is kind of what I felt. And I can kind of respect that. Then again, he did literally take the zoo out from under Joe. So he kind of was a snake in that regard. But like, I remember people saying, Oh, that's the worst guy on the show. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, like Doc Annell got away with like not looking like the oh, biggest yeah. sleaze bag in the world. Dude had an orgy couch. He did. He did. We talked about all this. Yes. He, we talked about, dude. I this is bringing back some memories. Uh, we'll we'll do. Uh, uh, we'll get back soon because uh, the new Last Chance U is coming out. So we got. Oh that. man, I can't wait. Did you see? Last thing I swear, because I this is running long. Did you see? Last chance you, this is the last year they're doing football and then they're going to JUCO basketball next year. Be careful. I spent a season playing junior college basketball and I will tell you, I got some strong opinions on this. It would, the show will and will always be better doing football, Yeah. but you, you can still get a good show in basketball if you pick the right school. That's what I'll say. But no, it, they don't need to fix something that's not broken. The football side of it is working phenomenally. The, the, the analogy that I made when I saw that is the year that they changed one shining moment in the NCAA tournament, and they were like, <laughs> yeah, this is great. Everybody loves it, but let's just completely change it up. And that's how I feel about last chance you going to basketball. Who was it that sang it? Angela Hudson. Is that Jennifer Hudson? Is that yes, and, Je- and Jennifer, that's the thing. Jennifer Hudson is phenomenal, but I only think of her for messing with something that was sacred to me. Like, yeah, oh, that, yeah, that's a good, that's a good analogy. You, you've, you've questioned your analogies a couple times today, and I think you've given some good ones, so don't be so yeah. hard on yourself. 
Yeah, no, that one was a good one. It was just like, yeah, I don't understand people that decide to change something that is literally in this world that we live in where nobody agrees on everything. Everyone's mad all the time. There's like four things that everyone universally agrees upon. One, last chance you is awesome. Uh, two, one shining moment is awesome. Like these are just not things that we need to, like we got other issues to figure out. But anyway, Nick Coffey, 790 KRD in Louisville. Listen to him, 7 to 10 Eastern. I know we say it every time. We will have you back on the phone soon. We'll have you back on Zoom soon. This was a lot of fun. It was, uh, man. I missed this. All right. We'll do it again soon. And now it is time for Georgia Tech head coach Josh Paston. All right. Joining me via Zoom, obviously, uh, this will be on the podcast as well. Really excited to talk about this, uh, talk to this guy uh, known him for years, first time on the podcast. He is the head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, finished fifth in the ACC last year. Josh Pastner's on the phone. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, like you said, we had finished fifth last year, had done some things at Georgia Tech during ACC play that haven't been done maybe since the mid-90s mm -hmm. um, uh, at Georgia Tech. So really finished out strong. Um, I really like our team going into this season. We've got a, you know, the majority of our guys back. Um, my big belief, Aaron, is for us to have success uh, in this ACC. You've got to get old and then stay old, and we're in that position to do that. Now the question will become, are we going to be able to play the season this year? So, um, so uh, uh, that's maybe for another topic. But, but, but if we do play the season and our, and our team stays healthy, I really like our group to, to hopefully have a chance to have a good season. Yeah, listen, and part of the reason why I want to have you on is because of that successful finish, because of the excitement for this year. We're going to talk about everything to do with the season and everything. But I will say, you know, I've, I've kind of adopted this motto, positive vibes only. We're getting football in September. We'll get basketball at some time in the fall or winter. Uh, and I think the first step in positive vibes only is the fact that for the first time in five months or so, you actually got to be on the court with your guys on Monday. For people who don't know, uh, that was the first day. Guys were allowed back on campus a couple weeks ago. But uh, Monday of this week was actually the first time you could be in the gym with them. I think you guys were in masks, maybe gloves. But how good did it feel uh, just to get back in the gym with your guys? Well, you know what, Aaron? First of all, you're exactly right about your positivity. There's nothing better than being positive, and I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I'm a glass overflowing type of guy, sure. so so uh, not not half not not half full, but overflowing. And so, there's no question that that our thought process is that we're going to have a season. Uh, obviously, we, you know, it, it's 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 out of our control in a sense, but but we're keeping the positive vibes on it. You're you're 100% right. Uh, secondly, you know, per the NCAA, we were able to start working out July 20th, uh, which yeah. was Monday. But July 20th, from across the board, you could uh, start working out with your players, with coaches. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, each school has their own medical team determining uh, which is, you know, how to do the protocols. So for us, our players had to wear masks. Our coaches oh, wow. had to wear masks. Um, we had, could only have two people per basket, two players okay. per basket with one manager at each basket. They can't cross half court, oh, uh, wow. things like that. Now, over time, you know, we'll be able to get a little more 
evolved into it. But for right now, that's where we're at. And um, uh, there's like no more than a total of 10 people in the gym at the time based on, um, um, you know, the full number of, of staff in there. So constant cleaning, hand washing, all those type of things. So, uh, uh, but it was a good day. Aaron, it was really good to get back on the floor. It was the first time we've been around each other since mid-March, basically. And uh, it was really good to be able to get back into the swing of things and to be able to have some normalcy in a sense. Well, and the other thing too, I don't think a lot of people, maybe they realized, maybe they've forgotten, maybe they didn't put two and two together, but it wasn't the end of the season in a normal sense of, you know, usually, um, you know, you, you, the season ends, but you're still around the guys and they can swing by the office. I mean, I assume that for you guys, I know you weren't in the ACC tournament at that time, but I assume it was a pretty surreal 24, 48 hour stretch where, you know, you're around the guys, you're seeing them. And then, then all of a sudden, bang, they got to go home, get out of town. And it's just, it's over. I mean, is that a fair assessment of how last March, how things went down? Yeah, no, that's that's a very fair assessment. Um, um, you know, the uh, par part of it is uh, um, everything happens so quickly, yep. and everything happens so unexpectedly. So sure. this, as you mentioned, this was not normal, mm -hmm. um, and and so we didn't even have a chance. You know, usually when the season's done, you're having everyone comes by the office, you meet with everybody, you talk everybody. You know, what's your plans for next year? Here's what you got to get better at. I mean, that was just all, I mean, it was just gone. And you, cause you were just, you know, everything pretty much shut down on campus. Everyone had to leave and um, you were just in a, in a mode of, of and, and at the time you're thinking, well, maybe, okay, we'll come back in the beginning of, you know, June one when things get kind of get, but uh, you know, I didn't think it would wait all the way until July 20th and be the next time we actually see our players. Sure. And um, um, so uh, yeah, no, it was just, and, and, and that's why at this time period and anything that you're doing, um, you have to be flexible. I mean, sure. to say that, that anything's kind of the normal right now is you're, 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 you're behind the time. So you've got to constantly be flexible. Uh, I think that's with everything, with scheduling, with how you're dealing with your student athletes, uh, with workouts, with just in anything in, in just with the program, with the sport right now, you've got to be extremely flexible. And, and I don't think, that ability to be flexible is going to stop. You're going to have to continue to be flexible. It could last for the entire year in a sense. Yeah, you know, it seems so. Uh, you know, everyone's got uh, an opinion on, on everything going on. I mean, I know we – the thing that I think I stress to everybody – nobody knows anything for certain right now, right? And, you know, I, I tell people from Greg Sankey, John Swaffer, the commissioners of the league, they're all trying to improvise on the fly like everybody else. I mean, have you given time or thought to what a conference-only schedule would look like? What out of con – you know, like, like – or is it just kind of living by the seat of your pants going day-to-day -day and just kind of controlling what you can control? Well, Aaron, you know, part of it is th this is probably the first time maybe in the history of coaching that that coaches don't have any say on what's going on with their sure. with their sport and or program. Yeah, um, because it's going to come down to conference commissioners, to presidents of schools, mm -hmm. athletic directors, state and local government mm -hmm. um, and obviously the medical team. Um, and so um, there, you know. 
as much as probably all head coaches like to control parts of their program and their schedule and when they're going to practice and how they're going to practice and when they're going to play, this is probably the first time in history where they have zero say in it. And so you're just kind of along for the ride in a sense. You're almost literally like just an assistant coach. You're just there to support yeah. everybody. You're there to support the president of the, of the school, the AD, the conference commissioner, the, the doctors, the, you know, the state and local government. And that's all you can do um, because anything else is just not reality. And so um, it's, it's sort of the old saying of just one day at a time. I think that's really the, the, the only way you can do it. Of course, players always ask, hey, coach, are we having a full season? Are we playing our conference games? And, 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 and I tell them all the time as well, too, that we're in our situation where I probably know just as much as they know yeah, because yeah. we don't know anything more because it's going to be such a higher level of people making those decisions uh, when the time comes. Now, thankfully for two things for, for basketball, we start a little bit later. We start in mm -hmm. November, technically, and so – uh, we gives us a little more time. And then secondly, I just don't foresee them not being able to play an NCAA tournament two years in a row. I just sure. don't know how feasible that's uh, in reality. So they might move it to May. Could they move it to April? I think they're going to play the NCAA tournament, and I really believe they're going to play our sport at some point. Now, it might be conference only. It might start in January. It might start on time in November. We don't know, but I really believe we're, our sport will be played of any sport maybe because of the way it's positioned. And plus, I don't know if it would be able to, to not be able to play two years in a row of that NCAA tournament. Yeah, and one thing, you know, I've been talking about this for weeks, but Kevin Willard brought it up this weekend. He was the first guy I heard say it is, you know, we understand the concept that you can't create a bubble on a college campus, but a lot of these schools, and I can't speak for Georgia Tech, the academic calendar lines up where a lot of schools have kids off campus right around the start of Thanksgiving week and don't come back until end of January, February 1st. So I do agree there are some inherent advantages to basketball. And like you said, I think everybody in all of sports from the NFL, NBA on down understands that it's, like you said, a new norm. You have to be flexible. Uh, things are going to change on the fly. But what I will say is positive vibes only. If When we get a season, uh, one of the reasons I want to have you on – I'm really excited about your team, and you kind of laid out some of the stats, but I don't think people realize fifth place finish in the ACC last year. Uh, if math was correct, I have it written down here. I think it's six out of your last seven that you won. You beat Louisville. You swept NC State, was, which was a potential tournament team. Um, all things considered, I mean, is it fair to call it a successful season overachieve right where you thought you would be? Because like I said, I just don't think enough people realize how good you guys were last season. No, you're right. Um, I, I mean, we are, our, our guys, the way they finished the year, um, um, how, you know, how we won those games towards the end. Um, and, and then, and then you're having the majority of your guys back. So last year was, it was, it was extremely successful to finish fifth in this league in the ACC is very, very hard to do. And to finish fifth, which hasn't been done at Georgia tech in the ACC and the stuff that we had done during the ACC play this year, like I said, hadn't been done since the mid nineties. So we really took the right step in the, in the right direction. Now we've got to continue to build on yeah. that. And, um, look, we're, we're not deep when I say we're not deep like we, we you know and I've said this before I mean and this is probably for most teams you, we're going to have to stay healthy I mean that's going to be first and foremost I mean early in the year we struggled last year because Jose Alvarado 
was out with an ankle injury. I mean, we missed him for, for basically all November and, and December, and we lost a bunch of games. Um, so, so for us to be successful, our key main guys are going to have to stay healthy and be able to play in the games. That being said, if we stay healthy, um, um, I, you know, because of our experience, because of our, you know, we've, we've had, you know, majority of our guys are back. We have a chance to have a, have a good season and, and continue to build on what we finished on last year. Now, Aaron, you know, my whole thing is, is everything comes down to guard play. And we have good guards. And, and to win in this league, you better have really, really good guards. And for this year, our guards are older, they're experienced, uh, they're a veteran group. Uh, so it gives you a really good opportunity and chance. And you know this, Aaron, every, in college basketball especially, but it's the NBA or whatever level, but especially in college basketball, guard play really dictates on a lot of the times of the success of your team is going to have. And so – um, and that's in favor if that's favorable for us um, and um, so that's kind of where it's at now listen it's the ACC I mean this league is a monster you got the best coaches the best players I mean it's just an incredible league and you can be really good in this league you can play well and still lose that's how good this league is and so um, we're going to have to really get better if we want to make sure that we continue to move up and continue to keep that building on that momentum uh, from, from what we did last year. Yeah. And you kind of referenced something I kind of want to ask you, I'm kind of curious about um, maybe you, you could disagree with me if you want, um, but you know, maybe you guys were able to sneak up on some people last year. Maybe people didn't know as much about you uh, this year. Uh, like I said, you beat a lot of good teams, both at your place and on the road. How do you kind of flip your guys' mindset if they did believe they were the underdog or if they did believe they were being overlooked to now a team that I think as we get closer to October, November, people are going to be talking about Georgia Tech could get to the NCAA tournament. How do you kind of flip that mindset or is it, is it even something that you do try to flip going into the season? Well, you know, uh, yeah, we, we might have had snuck up on people. You're right on that. And, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know, to be able to sneak up on some teams. And, uh, um, and it's hard in the ACC to sneak up on teams sure. anyway because everyone's really, really good. I mean, you're just you're, – everyone's good. But that being said, um, continuing that – keeping that edge, that, that hunger – that 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 you know that 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 fighting competitive spirit that competitive excellence knowing that what we've done is we, we can't rest on last season last season's over with sure. and so that's going to be important and for us to have success Aaron a lot of it's going to come down to our again yes health and and, and how we play and shoot the basketball but it's going to be coming down are we going to be the same team that fights and scraps for every 50-50 loose ball? Are we going to be the first to the floor? Are we going to be elite defensively? Are we going to be the team that shares the ball and, and, and plays so darn hard? Those things are more about a mentality than an actual skill set. And, and we had that last year. We've had that. We've got to now continue to have that. We can't try to get cute, cool, you know, casual. If we play try any cuteness or coolness or casualness, you can just forget it. We're not going to have a good season. So if any of that creeps in mentally of any cool, casual acuteness, you might as well just forget it. And so it's my job as the head coach to make sure that we don't allow that to creep in and uh, guys stay hungry. And, 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 and when I say hungry, that it's, you know, that, that first to the floor, that competitive excellence, that competitive fight, that, that, that grit, that, 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 
playing so darn hard, motor and just, you know, all that stuff. So that's going to be my responsibility on making sure that happens. Real quick, kind of uh, uh, to circle back to what we said at the beginning about you guys starting practice. I mean, how nice is it just from the perspective of, you know, you look at your team on paper last March and you say, okay, we bring back a lot of pieces. We have a chance to be really good. But listen, part of college hoops, uh, fortunate, unfortunate, whatever these days, is there is just so much turnover everywhere, whether it's a guy that you're not expecting to declare and maybe test the waters. You guys experienced this a few years ago with Josh Akogi where he just blows up and obviously you can't really blow up this year in the draft process, but you know, a kid just tests the waters. Uh, as we record a kid from Gonzaga went overseas and he's from overseas. It's a different deal, but transfers have, I mean, it, you, you, you can, there's so many guys across the country that can look at their roster on paper in March and say, we have a chance to be really good this year only for something crazy to happen in the off season that you can't possibly predict. I mean, how nice is it just to have your guys back and you know, okay, this team that I was looking at, thinking about in, in March is actually on the court with me in July. Well, you know, Aaron, just, just having, you know, because I said it from the beginning, getting old and staying old is the key. And, and then being able to, just, just yesterday or even in just, in, in just workouts, whether it's a weight room or on the floor, just having the guys with the, with the experience, uh, guys who are older, who are, um, who've been through it, the veteran, it just makes a world of difference. But look, I go back to the word being flexible. The, you're right. Every year things can be changing. Um, and, and, and take out, take out uh, COVID-19 for a second. If, because, if it, because of COVID-19, it stopped the one-time transfer waiver yeah. to be passed. I think if there was no COVID-19, they would have passed that rule. And as many transfers as we see right now, there'd even be more. Um, I do think that one-time transfer rule will pass next January, so it's going to go to effect eventually. And what that means is anybody can transfer within the sport uh, one time, meeting certain requirements without sitting out. So that's, that's no different than basically someone applying for the draft or, or blowing up in the draft. That could be someone coming after the season saying, Coach, I wanna, I'm going to go somewhere else, and, there's, and it is what it is. So, again, being flexible. So I just think that's going to be the norm, the new norm. Yeah. And, 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 um, and I think, you know, I know we, I think people are going to have to be prepared for that. Coaches especially that, that next January that's going to pass, and that's going to be where – Every year, there's going to be a lot of turnover. That's not a negative thing. Look, every team's going to lose some guys. Every team's going to gain some guys. I just think that's going to be the flexibility, as I talked about, kind of the way the game is moving and evolving, that we've all got to just, you know, that's going to be the new adjustment. And that's going to be like, Aaron, guys leaving early for the draft. It's going to be yeah. kind of no different than that. It's the same thing. It's just instead of maybe going to draft and blowing up, they decide to have a good year, and then all of a sudden they go to another school especially once that one-time transfer passes. Fantastic. Last couple of questions, we'll get you out of here. First one, uh, you know, positive vibes. Uh, this year, uh, in addition to the ACC, one of the things that jumped out, I know you guys played at Rupp Arena last year, John Calipari, a mentor of yours. One, how cool was it to get to meet back up with him on the sidelines? I could be mistaken. I think it's the first time you've coached against him. Uh, and then two, for people who don't remember, by the way, you replaced John Calipari at Memphis as the head coach. Now you're obviously at Georgia Tech. Two, you know, you get Kentucky coming back to Atlanta this year. We don't know. Hopefully we'll get some fans in the arena. 
uh, one, coaching against Cal, but then two, maybe as importantly, getting a chance to get Kentucky back in Atlanta this year? Well, one, it was awesome coaching at Rupp Arena. It's a great experience. I mean, the, the, the fan base there at Kentucky is just it's, – it's one of the greatest in, the, in, the, in all of sports. To be able to coach against Coach Calipari, who, who I, you know, I was so fortunate to work for at Memphis. And, and the re, one of the reasons I'm coaching at Georgia Tech is because I had the opportunity to follow him at Memphis and then be able to come here at Georgia Tech. But he gave me the opportunity to, to, to be his assistant, so I'm forever grateful. And I, and, I, and I love Coach Calipari. He's my guy. I love him so much. And, um, and so it was great coaching against him. Now, we wanted to win the game. I wanted yeah. to win the game. <laughs> Um, you know, we had a tough loss towards the end. That was one of the games where we didn't have our guard, Jose Alvarado. But we're playing Kentucky this year back in Atlanta, and you're darn right we want to play Kentucky. I mean, I, listen, Kentucky's going to be really good. But we play them in, 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 in November, and there's a chance where maybe – you know this, Aaron, they've got a lot of new guys. And Cal's teams, Coach Calipari's teams, always seem to get better in January, February, March. So I'm – I'm like hoping based on our team being really experienced, we have a good time to get them maybe in November. I mean, we've got to play well, um, but, but, but it's a great opportunity for us. So I'm, my fingers are crossed that we're playing the game this, you know, in November against Kentucky. Because, I look, Kentucky's going to be one of the best teams in the country. I just think they're going to, as they, because they're young, they've got a lot of new guys because they've lost a lot of guys to the pros. You know, they're a team that's going to, as they get into conference play, is going to probably start taking off. So if there's ever time to try to get them, it's more in, in, in early season. So, uh, um, but I'm, I'm, I would love to have an opportunity to play against them. Our home schedule this year is just is, is incredible. So, you know, we, we've got a lot of great opportunities. And, and like you said, positive vibes. Let's hope that we start on time. Our opening date game is November the 12th. You know, our fingers are crossed that we get to open that season November 12th and can just, you know, continue on moving forward like normal. Real quick, uh, I, I just want to stay on Cal for a sec. A couple last questions, we'll get you out of here. But you're just I, – I find that, you know, maybe not so much now, but six, seven, eight years ago, he had this reputation in basketball. Some people didn't like him, whatever. You know, he's a competitive guy. He rubs some people the wrong way. It happens. We've all done it throughout our careers. But the people that have really worked under him, the players that have played under him, the parents that know him – I've, I still really have yet to meet anybody that says that, you know, he isn't just salt of the earth, really good guy, uh, takes care of his own. Um, what is uh, off the court? I mean, what was, what is the relationship? Because like I said, I mean, I feel like most people that have coached under him, you know, he's hard to work for. Don't get me wrong. I know plenty of people have worked for him, but once you get out of it, like I said, I feel like once you're part of that circle, you're always part of that circle. And he's kind of a mentor kind of guy. Yeah, no, Co coach Calipari, is in he's incredible. Um, I, I, I loved working for him. I loved, um, uh, you know, being, being around him and being part of his program. Uh, I, just from what I learned, I could just go on and on and on. So I, I was just so fortunate to have been under him, to learn under him, and to have coached under him. And um, so I, I loved every second of it. And he's an incredible human being. Look, he's an incredible coach. He's an incredible person. Um, he's done an incredible job uh, with his, obviously, with his teams. And his players love him. And he's just, an, he's, he's incredible. It's, he's one of the greatest ever to do it in our sport. I mean, one of the greatest ever. He, he, Aaron, 
if he took over this, uh, uh, give him the smallest school in Division One, and I'm telling you, within five years, they'd be top five in the country. That's just how good he would be. If you gave him the pizza place around your corner of your street, <laughs> he would, he, that pizza place would become a multi-million dollar business. So that's just who he is of how good he is at what he does. He's just, he's, he's, he's an incredible marketer, business person, but he's also just overall just an incredible human being, takes care of his people, extremely loyal, and he's an incredible basketball coach. And, um, um, yeah, I can't say enough about him. And, heck, I mean, you know, the way it's going, I mean, you know, the amount of wins, you know, I mean, he's winning 30 games every year. I mean, and he's, and he's 60, but he's a young 60. I mean, he looks young. So I think he's going to be coaching another 10, 12 years. And who knows? I've told him this before. I think eventually he's going to run into politics and try to run for president of the United States. People think I'm crazy when I say that. Okay. Don't, don't be surprised if he tries to go in that route eventually at some point. And maybe, maybe it's for governor he runs, I don't know, or, or, or a senator, but he, he, he's going to get into politics at some point. I really believe that. So really quick, I try to stay away from politics when I'm talking sports, but what makes you so, what makes you feel that way? Well, he, he, he's just, he, first of all, the energy for, that he has, that Coach Calipari has, um, but I think at some point he'll have accomplished so much basketball-wise. I just don't see him sitting behind a TV booth and just kind of hanging out. I think, and when I say hanging out, just doing games, I think he needs the, 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 the you know, the, the, the everyday, um, you know, kind of just, you know, uh, 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 fight whatever direction he wants to go in on, on his, in his pop political beliefs. Um, it would not surprise me at all. And I really, and I said this when we played him, I, I think he, the guy's going to run for, for, for office one day. I really believe that. And I say that because he, he's, he's, he's into politics. Uh, I don't know which direction, you know, and I don't get into that with him, but, 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 <laughs> but so much energy he's, you know, I just don't foresee him when he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish basketball wise, that he's just going to retire and set off and hang out at the beach or just do TV and hang. He's not doing that. He yeah. is going to do his next chapter of life. And I just believe his next chapter is going to be in the political field. Again, that's my personal opinion. Sure. He might tell you that I'm crazy when I say that. And he says, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, Josh, but uh, I foresee it. I, I really think, and I think he would be great at it. And, uh, because he would can galvanize people. He loves people. Um, he's a tremendous speaker. He's got he's, his ideas, his thoughts, his processes. He's remarkable. So um, you heard it here first if okay. it happens. You know what I mean? So you can <laughs> And I told him, I just want to be – I'll be his campaign manager. What the heck? Sure. You know what I mean? I'll just go along for the ride with him. That's fantastic. All right, listen, I could talk to you about all this stuff all day. You got a program to run here. You're back in the gym. Last question. Um, you referenced the 90s and all that stuff. I was thinking about this as I prepared. You know, I'm of the age that I do remember Georgia Tech being really, really, really good. No disrespect to what happened before you got there, but um, I looked it up. Five Sweet 16s from 85 to 96. I, I only caught the tail end of that. But uh, a couple Final Fours in program history, 2004, you play for a national championship. How much would it mean to just the school, the community, to get back to that level? Because we all know the role that uh, sports plays in, in 
galvanizing a community. I mean, I know Atlanta is a big city with a lot of options sports wise, but it does feel like when that program's rolling, it's a fun place to watch games. It's a fun place to be at. How fun would it be? And how excited are you to get that program back to that place? Cause like I said, I just remember that place being such a tough place to play uh, for the Dukes, the Carolinas. And obviously, you know, you're building towards it, but it hasn't been that way last, you know, 10, 12, 15 years before you got there. Well, no, Aaron, you're right. Well, back in the day when Coach Bobby Kremens was here, I mean, it was the hottest ticket in Atlanta. And you're right. Wow. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of options here in Atlanta, whether it's the Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, you know, you've got, um, you know, just a lot, you know, obviously SEC and ACC football is in the heart, in the, in the in, in, you know, right in the lifeblood of Atlanta as well, too. So there's a lot of options to choose from. Um, and now you've got soccer, you know, the Atlanta United. So there's, there's a lot of different options. So back in the day when Coach Kremens was here, it was the hottest ticket in the city. Um, and how to get back to that, um, you got to win. I mean, there's – because, right, you know, you got to win. But you got to win, and, and the first step of that is getting back to the NC2A tournament. The, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket Nation has been – they're yearning and, and fighting and wanting to get back to – to 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 the NCAA tournament that's the first step and and we have a realistic chance of doing that this year staying we got to stay healthy got to get some breaks and the ball fall or you know bounce our way but 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 you know we are on the right track to get there and that is so important for the Yellow Jacket Nation because what coach Kremens had done there you know during that time period was just was incredible I mean it was you know you look at the amount of players of the years or rookies of the years and, 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 you know, and wins and, 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 and then coach Hewitt, Paul, you had had a great success, went to the final four, um, you know, and, and coach Gregory after that, who, who was, you know, he didn't get to the tournament, but he was, he did it. He did a really good job. And so it's now me trying to get us back to the NCAA tournament. And, um, um, and so it's, it's not easy. It's been a long time. And uh, if there's ever a year to try to get us get us back there, this is the year to try to do it. Fantastic. Head coach Josh Passner, Georgia Tech. As I said, I think I've referenced it, but five of your top six scorers back. You mentioned the name Jose Alvarado, who's really good. Michael DeVoe, uh, Jordan Usher, who actually was at USC, not far from where I live. I saw him in practice a couple of times, just banging and diving on the floor for loose balls. And I knew when he ended up with you guys, He'd be fantastic for you guys. And, yeah, you got a lot of talent, a lot of excitement, as you said. Uh, ball's got to bounce the right way. But I'm excited to watch you guys, and, and I appreciate you making a few minutes, Coach. No, happy to do it, Aaron, and, and really looking forward to the season. And I appreciate your positive energy and yep. a lot of positive vibes this way. And, um, um, and so hopefully we'll have a, a chance to have a, a season. And, and that's where our thought process, and then from there, hopefully we have a chance to have a good season as well. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.